0: This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. As always, thanks very much for joining us. It's no secret that it can be a challenge to find a doctor that will take your health concerns seriously, but that challenge can be exacerbated if you are a woman. Add the extra layer of being a woman of color. And it can become even more difficult. Joining us now are two women who can speak to the all too common negative encounters that women of color experience in healthcare settings. Before we get insight on this issue from Tina Sachs, who is a professor at UC Berkeley School of Social Welfare, we want to hear a personal story from Detroit native and chef L. Simone Scott. Uh, L. Welcome to Detroit today.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, and also Tina Sachs, uh, assistant professor of UC Berkeley School of Social Welfare, uh, welcome to the show as well. We're going to get Thank you. Yeah, we're going to get to you in a second, but L, I want you to start us off by telling your story. What happened to you?
1: Um, well, I was uh living and freelancing in New York City in 2014. Um I'd been experiencing some pain, um you know, in my lower abdomen um you know um reproductive organ region and you know i was exercising regularly running you know up to 3 miles a day and suddenly this pain that used to be occasional started to become a little bit more uh intense um more regularly happening and um i couldn't work out i was feeling exhausted i didn't want to run you know i was just having i was not feeling right And I'd gone to a couple of doctors and, you know, people were just giving me all kinds of random reasons of what possibly why it could happen. I'm getting older or um, I am anemic, uh, but I I didn't really settle with that. And, um, you know, I would reach out to my family. My grandmother was one of the first um, OBGYN nurses to be in a private practice, black-owned private practice in Detroit with Dr. Charles Wright, and she always taught me to... Um, you know, persist if you don't feel like you got the right answers, keep going. So um, my partner at the time suggested that maybe we look into one of the best OBGYN doctors in New York City. And I reached out I made an appointment and I went into the doctor's office. And um, the doctor, uh, it, it was a, it was the worst experience I'd ever had. Um, she uh, was very condescending to me. Um, I felt as though she was treating me as like a, a teenager and not, and not to say, like, a teenager deserves to have horrible, you know, bedside manner or treatment from a doctor, but, you know, I, d- I definitely didn't feel like she was addressing me as an adult woman. I felt like she downplayed everything I said, and even uh, until I insisted, she would not send me for an ultrasound, and finally she did, and um the results basically were um there was a small cyst on my right ovary, they didn't see any reason to be alarmed, and that I should just make an appointment in six months um and so uh within the 6 months time um i tried to make an appointment the doctor she was one of the first doctors to have the patient portal system online mm-hmm. um, and they were charging um their customers their clients to use it and you know as a freelancer 35 dollars a month as you can imagine you never know when you'll have it if you'll have it on time or not so i opted out and um, tried to make multiple phone calls to the office to get appointments. I'd have multiple people calling me back, but no one would set the appointment. It was just very frustrating, and that appointment that follow up appointment actually never happened and so um over a span of two years the a pain that became that was once occasional was daily, and I was living off of um like ibuprofen or azil just to get through the day. Um, and it wasn't until 2016 that I relocated to uh, Boston uh, to work for America's Test Kitchen. And um, I thought this would be a great time to just, you know, revisit my all my medical things. You know, like I have a full-time job now. I'm no longer freelancing. I can, you know, take a look at all, all of everything and make sure everything's going fine. And I encountered... Um, A doctor, Dr. Vivian Hernandez from the New England Gynecological Group, Mm -hmm. she um, heard me and she took my concerns seriously and sent me for another ultrasound two years later just to find um, what she said, and this is a quote, you have a cyst that has cancerous characteristics. I'm going to refer you to oncology at Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. I knew immediately, like those words, um, cancerous characteristics, oncology. I'm like, you don't send someone to oncology for a supposition. You send someone to oncology when you know that there's something wrong. Mm -hmm. And it was the exact same cyst in the exact same position, um, and it had now grown to stage 1C3 ovarian cancer. Wow. And I was diagnosed formally after surgery, and then I went through six rounds of chemo and ended chemo in January 2017.
0: So so tell me how similar this experience was to your other encounters with healthcare over the years. Did you feel like this was just one more instance of uh, someone not taking you seriously, of someone not acting with, with, you know, haste and urgency around something that, that deserved it because you were a woman or because you were African-American?
2: For sure. Um,
1: I, I think as I look back over time, um, I remember having a cyst, um, an ovarian cyst rupture in my 20s. And I remember going to the doctor. I think I went to urgent care. And um, I was given, like, they did a a pap exam and then um, came meds and pretty much sent me on my way. Like, I cannot honestly tell you that I remember them telling me definitively, what happened other than a cyst rupturing because that could be um a tubal pregnancy, it could be it could have been a, a multitude of things, you know. But to this day and I have a very good memory when it comes to my body, um, I could I couldn't tell you what the final diagnosis was when I left there. Um and as I also think back over time, I think of many times in my younger years when I didn't know better and really know how to advocate for myself that I perhaps maybe left, you know, doctors appointments or you know things with information that just didn't make sense to me. You know, and it's like, as a patient, I don't want you to talk over my head. I do want to understand what's happening with my body, and if you don't do that, it I, it could easily be interpreted as as
0: dismissive. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, Tina Sachs, talk about the prevalence of experiences like this one that are being described by by L, and and put it in some context for us in terms of how we know that this is about gender? How we know that this is about race?
3: Oh, sure. Well, first of all, thanks so much for having me on, and Elle, thanks so much for sharing your story, and I'm so glad that you persisted, and um, I just wish you continued health. Um, so this is a very common story for Black women, for women of color, and for women in general in the United States. The United States healthcare healthcare system is quite difficult to navigate. And so I for my book, Invisible Visits, I interviewed women about their experiences trying to advocate for themselves in healthcare with their physicians. And I heard many, many stories of women who, with very similar experiences to Elves. Um, I interviewed a woman here who had been trying to get a doctor to take her pain seriously for many years. Um, many different doctors. She had been through, you know, so many different health systems. She had knee pain for many years, beginning when she was very young from about 20 years of age. And she went to doctor after doctor and they just kept telling her, well, you're overweight. Just lose weight. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. And eventually, after 15 years of um, taking Advil every day for pain, being quite debilitated by it as a very young woman she found out that she had two tumors in her knee that were undiagnosed and that they were very close to having to amputate her leg as a result of these slow-growing tumors. Um, so this is a very, unfortunately, a, a relatively common experience. And as to your question of how do we know that this is about gender and race, and I say those things together, it's, you can't really separate the idea of um, being a woman uh, from being a Black woman, because hmm. the way that race and gender works in the United States, it's very is a very specific experience
0: right.
3: to be a woman of color, um, it, um, and so we know that this is the case from the empirical data that actually tells us that Black people and in certain instances black women get treated differently in the healthcare encounter and this is when you control for other factors like insurance, education, access to care. So we, uh, the empirical data suggests that it is an issue of um, the person's race and gender and that we know that that this is likely related certainly to race and gender discrimination., yeah. so it, this is an issue in the healthcare encounter in general.
0: I mean, in fact, you've written and researched about how middle class women, middle class women of color, are also affected by this.
3: Yes, yes, and that's very important to say because I think we typically think about discrimination or at least the sort of the dominant narrative around discrimination is that it really only affects poor people, so that black poor people and other people of color are the ones who are affected by discrimination, and that is undoubtedly the case. Um, But discrimination does not stop at the middle class, and so uh, the perception, particularly of black people and black women, in the healthcare encounter, there are some persistent stereotypes that negatively affects black women and this is um this comes from the the, the health care providers and the healthcare care system writ large so um, middle class women black women are not immune to discrimination in health care
0: hmm. Uh, my guests are El Simone Scott, the founder of sheshef Inc., and Tina Sachs, an assistant professor at UC Berkeley School of Social Welfare. We're talking about the disparities that women of color experience in the healthcare system when they report uh, things that are ailing them, things that are wrong with them. They are not treated the same as other patients. There is uh, a bias and discrimination that takes hold and results in differing care. Uh, we're talking this hour about challenges in the healthcare system with access uh, that have to do with race and gender uh, and economics. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, give us a call and tell us what your experiences have been uh, with the healthcare system, uh, do you trust healthcare providers to make the best decisions for you and for your health all the time? And do you think you receive fair treatment and respect from the providers that you encounter? As always, the number on the phones is three one three five seven seven one zero one nine. That's three one three five seven seven one zero one nine. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit today. Then we'll work you into the conversation. Um, before we go uh, to phones, to I want to ask you about um, your experience after this, uh, this really dangerous experience in the healthcare system. You came out as an advocate for ovarian cancer. Um, what other takeaways do you have from this experience? What, what, what does this sort of tell you about what we need to be doing differently?
1: Um actually, it's so many things um, and just from being um, involved with organizations like the National ovarian Cancer Coalition and the ovarian Cancer Research Alliance, um uh, one of the one of the things I noticed most is that there are very few women of color involved in these advocacy organizations, which are also educational organizations um, and i I definitely think that there is a lack of health education in um, communities of people of color, and I think that that needs to change a great deal, because what happens once you have information and knowledge and education, you are better equipped to advocate for yourself um, on on that level, you know. Um, and I don't think that we should be waiting until people are diagnosed to give them the information. We should be giving people information about health um just generally, generically, so that they when, when they encounter these things, they know what to do. Um and because I feel like when you go in and you're speaking knowledgeably about your health and your body and the things you're experiencing, um, it, it, it gives it gives them a medical uh field and health providers um the awareness that you are not going to settle for less than what you deserve mm. that's the first thing um you know the second thing is uh you know just i think the the medical system administratively and and otherwise really needs to kind of like just really re- do a, they need a revamp you know they need uh you know trainings because it's not just these issues of course it's um you know low birth rates and and uh death of women in childbirth in the african american community which is huge like those ratios are are insane like unbelievable in, compared to other um you know countries and you know it, it just a a full reevaluation of you know biases and and things of that nature i think that's very important
0: Okay, Al Simone Scott, founder of She Chef Inc. and TV talent and food stylist at America's Test Kitchen. I'm really glad uh, you joined us to share your story here on Detroit Thank today. You. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna get to phones here, and again, 313-577-1019 is the number. Uh, let's go to Prunella in Detroit. Prunella, welcome to Detroit today. Are you there, Prunella? Nope. I'm not sure she's paying attention. Brinelli? Hello. Yeah, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, go ahead.
4: Um, well, it has been my experience in many different cases to be dismissed because I walked in equipped with information. Um, for instance, uh, doing the research that was necessary for me to pick a surgeon or a doctor. Hmm and walking in female doctors i have not had this problem with male doctors they treat you as another caller said or your interviewer before almost childlike they dismiss your intellect and your intelligence they um have a tendency to say it's uh, like doctor knows best which obviously is not always the case and it's really been difficult to pick um a surgeon or a primary care doctor that is willing to listen but also um i personally treat homeopathically and i mix the east with the west with my medicine and find doctors that will acknowledge that yes if i do this it is going to help me mm. or to try and dismiss that and say you know take a pill take take the placebo this is going to make it go away for a minute but I want to make whatever is going on with me go away forever. Right, right. <laughs> you know that's how we take care of ourselves.
0: Yeah, uh, Pranell, I I really appreciate your calling and and sharing your experience. Uh, Tina Sachs, I I wonder about something in particular she said there. Um, this idea of the gender of the physician, what role that plays in this dynamic that uh, that you've been writing and researching about?
3: Sure. Um, so the gender and, the, and as well as the, the combination of race and gender for the provider can have uh, a, a, an important effect, a positive effect on the relationship between the patient and the provider. And so uh, the women in the book, so the, the women I interviewed for my book frequently discussed preferring a woman provider, particularly for anything reproductive. So for any um, gynecological care, that was something that was very important for them. And the research also demonstrates that when you are in a uh, – when the woman is the, the provider and the patient are both women, that there is something there, that communication is facilitated, that there are, there's, tends to be a little bit more um, of an ability for the provider to see you, as someone suggested, uh, to understand your concerns and your lived experiences as a, as a woman, as a person who's living in a body with the kind of parts, reproductive and otherwise, that women have. Um, but that is only, that's only part of the story. It's certainly helpful, but it doesn't go all the way because the healthcare system is a, bi- is a dominant structure. It's um, 20% almost of our gross domestic product in the United States. It's a huge industry. And so having a woman or a black woman or a black person as your provider alone does not necessarily do away with these kinds of biases and discrimination, but it is a start. Mm.
0: Uh, and I also wonder though given the prevalence of males in the field right uh, there are lots and lots of male doctors what what are the things that we need to do to make them more receptive uh, to to these differences more aware of these differences and then better able to provide better care so there are some
3: movements afoot to try to get Providers, healthcare providers, particularly particularly male providers, but just across the board, to think about to think differently about the patients that they see in general, so that there's something we're trying to get patients, providers to actually think about the structures of society, so that they don't they don't resort to stereotypes when they see a black woman and a, a black woman maybe working extra jobs or having a harder a harder time, maybe doesn't have as much. Um, socioeconomic support, instead of thinking about that as sort of a, an individual failing of a, of a black woman, to think about the reasons why that might be the case um, and to have more empathy for the, the particular circumstances that women are facing, that black women in particular are facing that might lead them to have stress or to have fibroids or the particular kinds of health conditions that, um, that black women and other women of color in the United
0: States okay Tina Sachs uh, assistant professor at UC Berkeley School of Social Welfare it was really great to have you here for this conversation on Detroit today
3: thank you so much for having me
0: all right, up next, we're going to look at how mothers and infants are being treated in healthcare settings and what solutions are being created to ensure more equity and quality and care in that field. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. Rhonda in Detroit, Kathleen in Detroit, Annette in Southfield, Tom and now Northwest Detroit. We will get to all of you next as well. Stay with us on Detroit today. Detroit today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Racial disparities in healthcare are a consistent issue here in Detroit. And in Michigan and across the country, last year, a University of Michigan study reviewed data from millions of births across the United States and found higher rates of dangerous delivery-related conditions for new mothers of color. Our next guest is a public health expert who focuses on improving health outcomes for new moms and new infants of color. Leslie Welch is on faculty in public health at Wayne State University and lectures in women's studies at the University of Michigan. She is currently leading the development team for Birth Detroit, a wellness and birth center. Leslie, welcome to Detroit Today.
5: Thank you so much for having me. Yeah.
0: So let's talk about these racial disparities uh, in in infant and maternal mortality uh, in the United States. How big of an issue is this in Detroit and the metro region?
5: It's a tremendous issue. What is true is that our overall uh, rates of infant mortality have gone down, but the racial disparity persists. And so black babies die at a rate two to three times higher than white babies do um, here in our city. And then for maternal mortality, really uniquely, uh, the United States is one of the only industrialized countries for which our overall maternal mortality rate is increasing, and we have the significant racial disparity um, with here um, locally black mothers dying at a rate of 4.9 times higher. Uh, Than white mothers,
0: and and talk about the things that drive those disparities. Mm-hmm. Of course, we know that that African Americans uh, and African American women are are more vulnerable uh, because of you know historic inequality and systemic racism and uh, the poverty that we see that has such a grip on the city. Uh, but what role does the healthcare system and the way that system responds to those factors? Mm uh how does that play into it
5: it's huge i first have to say you know from a public health perspective as you alluded to the context of our lives is so important right um and so there are things like um as i think dr gray referred to as well um the economic conditions for families affordable housing affordable child care and so forth but then within our care systems um, we really need to pay more attention to um having empathy and respect for black women we need to pay um, more attention to addressing rights and respect and freedoms and culturally responsive care, right? Mm. So even when we talk about access to care, the care that we receive um, may or may not be um, culturally responsive care.
0: And, and what would that look like, culturally mm-hmm. responsive care?
5: Yes. So culturally responsive care looks like um, perhaps having a care provider who looks like you. Um, Having a care provider who understands your language and culture, um, having a care provider who um, empathizes with your life experience. Um, walking into a office that is reflective um, of you in some way, Uh, having care not be deficit-based, right? One of the things that's true about pregnancy and childbirth is that we don't talk about it um, as a sacred experience in this country. And I'm not referring to religion, but just every culture around the world thinks about it as sacred in some way. And our medical systems don't treat it that way. Uh, But we can. Um, And also, I think it looks like having women of color and particularly black women having us be leaders in our own care. Mm.
0: Uh, So tell us what's happening at uh, Birth Detroit uh, to, to try to correct some of these things. Yes.
5: I am so thrilled to be working with an amazing development team and we're working to develop the first uh, freestanding birth and wellness center here in Detroit. Um, Our vision is um, making the midwifery model of care, um, comprehensive, holistic, uh, individualized family centered care available to all birthing people in the city, regardless of ability to pay.
0: Mm. Uh, And, What about making sure people can access this? I always think that's one of the big challenges in Detroit is that even when we get something that can address the problems that people are having, getting them to that help is another challenge all together. another challenge,
5: yes. We um, aspire to be truly family-centered. One of the things when we talk about access, we're always talking about getting families to us. Why mm-hmm. don't we go to them? Go to them. Right? Why don't we <laughs> <laughs> exist um, in their neighborhoods? And so Birth Detroit will be a neighborhood-based uh, birth and wellness center. Um, we will also uh, do pop-up uh, clinics throughout the city and, and really go to where people are. Mm.
0: Uh, again, 313 577 1019 is the number on the phones. Call and tell us what your experiences have been uh, with the healthcare system in this country. Uh, let's start with Annette in Southfield. Annette, welcome to the show.
6: Good morning, Stephen. Thank you for this topic. I kind of held over from your previous uh, segment, Mm -hmm. but I can, uh, first of all, I want to thank you for the uh, young ladies there speaking about Birth Detroit. I had never heard of that, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to be in touch with them if there's anything I can do to volunteer to help. It sounds wonderful. Mm -hmm. Um, But I wanted to uh, briefly share a quick that I had uh, uh, when I uh, became pregnant with my daughter, who's now 29. This was many years ago, obviously. Uh, I went to a series of doctors because I had a complication similar to uh, the, um, the the one that the lady had, the chef that you had on earlier, mm-hmm. had a cyst on my ovary. And I was told by three different white male doctors that I needed to have a hysterectomy, I could never have children, blah blah blah. And I just went on faith and my husband and I, at the time when I was married, We wound up pregnant, and the experience uh, that I had from 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 trying to get care after I became pregnant from those same doctors that said I would never, I could never have a child, was horrific. Hmm. So from that uh, from that experience to today, I only go to African American female doctors for anything, and the same with my daughter. And as when she was even when she was born, I would not. I just. Maybe I'm psychologically damaged from this, but I will not go to a white male doctor for anything.
0: Wow, I, that's a that's a pretty extreme reaction in that. But I, I think it'd be hard to argue with uh, with your decision based on based on your experience. Um, my concern, obviously, would be that that the number of physicians who are black women is uh, a lot lower than the number who are white or or white male and so of course then you're you're also you know um that's another challenge for you for you to get over but but i completely understand uh, what you're saying and i'm sorry about uh about the experience you had uh let's go to Rhonda in detroit Rhonda, welcome to the show uh
2: and and thank you again same as the uh previous um uh Young lady that was talking, I really appreciate you covering this, uh, this issue. First, I want to just say that I just recently was diagnosed with breast cancer. And so, and understanding the health disparities and how, um, health service is, uh, given to African American women, I went into this. Uh, institution looking at those disparities. But I wanted to say something about the history of black hospitals in the city of Detroit. Mm. Uh, one in particular was Sidney mm-hmm. A. Sumby Memorial mm. Hospital, and Sidney A. Sumby Memorial Hospital was in River Ridge, Michigan. I was born at that hospital. My oldest son was born there. My brother was born there. My dad worked at that hospital for 30 years. I worked at the same hospital for 10 years, and my brother worked there. My uh, father and mother died in that hospital. Mm -hmm. So what I'm speaking about is the... Uh, healthcare and how it was provided to African Americans during segregation. The hospital was built because at that time we could, as blacks, we could not go to the hospital right. in Wyandotte. We could not go to the Lynn Hospital in Lincoln Park. So, uh, during segregation we of course provided ourselves with whatever we had also the doctors lived in our communities mm. the attorneys and things the teachers lived in our community because of segregation but in the early nineteen eighties there was legislation passed in the state of michigan declaring that there were too many hospital beds in the state of michigan and so thus they had to reduce the number of hospital beds mm. Thus. The elimination of the black hospitals in the city of Detroit. Wow. I think that at one time there had to have been close to eight hospitals when I grew up in yeah, Rh- uh, River Rouge. Rh- Rhonda,
0: I don't, I don't mean to cut you off. We're going to run out of time, and I really want to get Leslie Welch to respond to to what you said in our previous caller about this idea of of only dealing with black physicians. I mean that's a, it's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty radical uh, approach Mm -hmm. to it. I I wonder if it will result in better care is the Mm. question.
5: I think that is difficult um, to speak to. I think certainly um, as the the first caller spoke about, I mean, there's real trauma there, right? And so you have um, a a response to that. Um, And it is, I think, one natural response is to want a provider whom, you know, you feel like understands you, right? you, who can relate to your experience. I think um, what is true and what is challenging um, to speak to what the most recent caller said is um, the sort of limitations um, in numbers of care providers uh, in our in our city or, or around the country in general. And um, it's something that we need to take a look at in addition to. Right, Um, really doing the work um, to train providers of all cultures and races to value all women
0: and children equally. Yeah, okay. Leslie Welch, uh, leading the the development team at uh, Birth Detroit, where you can find more information at birthdetroit.com. Thanks very much for being here. uh, Thank you for having me. All right, that's going to do it for me today. I'll be back tomorrow. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station. Your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.